Andre Durator has a tough job. He's the CEO of ESCOM, the power company that provides most of South Africa's electricity. It's a huge responsibility. It does come with its burdens, but it also comes with its moments of excitement. The company is plagued by problems like corruption, aging power plants, and mounting debt. Right now, it's unable to generate enough electricity to power the country. There are blackouts all the time, sometimes for more than 11 hours a day. All of these problems put Durator under a lot of pressure. And then one Monday last December, things took a sinister turn. It began that morning when Durator drank some coffee. A cappuccino, actually, in his personalized mug. And he drank that. And shortly thereafter, started feeling confused and dizzy and just generally really unwell. That's our colleague Alexandra Wexler. She says that hours later, Durator was shaking in a bed at a medical clinic. A doctor ran some tests. And when the results came back, uh, it showed that he had ingested cyanide um, and was suffering from cyanide poisoning. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty wild. What does this incident say about how hard it is to be the CEO of this company? I think that being CEO of ESCOM has got to be the toughest job in South Africa at the moment. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, January 27th. Coming up on the show, blackouts, corruption, and attempted murder inside South Africa's toughest job. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. It's not every day that the CEO of a major company gets poisoned. But ESCOM isn't like a lot of other companies. ESCOM supplies 90% of South Africa's electricity, and it does so mostly through a network of coal-guzzling power stations. For years, South Africans enjoyed a plentiful supply of cheap power. But about two decades ago, things began to unravel. So the blackouts first started in 2007, and they've come and gone with varying degrees of severity since then. Locally, the rolling blackouts are called load shedding. Now, blackouts are a part of daily life in South Africa. From schools to hospitals to homes, businesses, traffic lights uh, not working on a daily basis. That's four full months this year alone with no power. Even at night, you can't sleep. You have to think, what am I going to do tomorrow? Imagine waking up in the morning, you have no power for four hours, so you can't make coffee. No coffee? 
Yeah, no, well, unless, I suppose you could make it on the stove if you have a gas stove and you use a match to light it. <laughs> um, but like no Nespresso. How does anybody get anything done over there? Yes, yes. Well, they do expect blackouts to knock, um, I think, 2% off GDP <laughs> in 2023. Um, and I'm sure a lot of that's due to lack of coffee. How do people get by in this situation? Well, like most other things, I think you just adjust the best you can. People barbecue outside in South Africa. It's called a braai. So people braai outside instead of using the oven. A lot of people have gotten inverters and battery backup systems. Maybe you have some solar panels just to kind of uh, make it through the day. But not everyone can afford a generator. So ESCOM urges customers to be sparing with their electricity. Here's an ad the company made in 2011. Did you know that the power used by one oil heater could run eight electric blankets? So do what I do. Heat your beds instead of your bedrooms. Why are these blackouts happening? Why isn't ESCOM able to generate enough electricity? These plants haven't been maintained properly. Um, So they're constantly breaking. They're constantly having to be taken offline, repairs made. A lot of them need big overhauls on a lot of systems. And yeah, that's kind of the root of the issue. Another problem that's led to power shortages is criminals stealing coal from ESCOM's power plants. Deliveries of good quality coal come in and on their way from the mine to ESCOM, they stop at illegal coal yards and swap the good quality coal for really bad quality coal and then deliver the bad quality coal to ESCOM. And obviously bad quality coal doesn't burn as nicely and that contributes to breakdowns in the coal plants. And Alexandra says there's also corruption within the company itself. So it's a lot of low-level crime but run by bigger syndicates within the company. And I think that a lot of people have gotten very used to kind of looting ESCOM and and making a lot of good money out of it. All of this has come at a huge cost to ESCOM. The company lost $3 billion over the course of a decade. Crime has also allegedly reached the highest levels of the company. Two of ESCOM's former CEOs have been charged with corruption, charges they both deny. By the summer of 2019, ESCOM was in real trouble. The company had churned through 10 CEOs in 10 years, and the government was desperate to find a new leader who could take on the seemingly impossible task of turning the energy giant around. In January 2020, Andre Durader took over. Durader was a good candidate for the job. He'd spent years working at a big South African energy company called Sassel. What did people think of him when he took the job? People were excited because he knew Cole really well from his work at Sassel. Um, and they were hopeful that he would uh, clean up ESCOM, so to speak, and, you know, hopefully turn it around. Durator planned to repair old power plants, crack down on corruption, and importantly, stop using so much coal. Here he is talking about it at a conference last year. The Stone Age didn't end because of a lack of stones. And the mere fact that we've got a lot of stones in South Africa (laughs) doesn't mean that we should have more more stone tools. So I don't think the fact that we've got coal means that we should continue to burn coal no matter what. But he 
underestimated the entrenched kind of vested interests and corruption that he was going to be dealing with. Coming up, Durator makes some enemies. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Governments around the world are under pressure to decarbonize. And South Africa is no different. In 2022, a group of countries, including the U.S., agreed to help South Africa switch from coal to renewables. I think everyone realized that the future is not coal. The future is in renewables, and South Africa is well-placed for renewable energy because it has a lot of sun, and it has some windy coastlines. For Andre Durater, switching from coal to renewables had multiple benefits. It would provide a plentiful supply of power and combat corruption. The one good thing about sun and wind is that it cannot be stolen, first of all. That's, that's very yes. important. Um, Moving away from coal might help solve ESCOM's problem with thieves, but it put Durator on a collision course with the country's energy minister, Gwede Mantashi. Mantashi is a huge coal supporter, and that's because coal accounts for a lot of jobs in South Africa. It's a big industry. And the coal that ESCOM burns is all mined locally. And if South Africa is going to move away from coal and towards renewables, that's going to mean a lot of people that are out of work and looking for a job. So it sounds like a transition away from coal could have a negative impact on the South African economy, at least in the short term. It would have a negative impact on people who make their livelihood from coal, for sure. I'm not sure that it would have an overall negative impact on the economy. I think that at this point, any energy that they can create from anywhere is going to be quite welcome. Meanwhile, the blackouts have been getting worse, and South Africans have taken to TikTok to complain, sometimes through songs. Oh, dear South Africa, what is going on? We're sitting in the dark most days, sometimes for 12 hours. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Eskom has done it once again. Let us down, let us down. Eskom, you are full of clouds. What does Eskom do to try to mitigate these blackouts? One thing that ESCOM does is buy and burn a lot of diesel. I think in the first 10 months of last year, they spent nearly $800 million on diesel. Um, And that's one way that they try to keep the lights on. But it's expensive and it's just not enough to keep up with demand. 
Within South Africa, a lot of people blamed Derader for the blackouts. There were protests at ESCOM's headquarters where demonstrators called for him to resign. We want the end of load shedding immediately. We're also calling for the removal of the CEO, Mr. Andre Derader, and the entire ESCOM board. Alexandra says that by the end of last year, the blackouts and Derader's attempts to crack down on the criminal networks within ESCOM were putting a lot of pressure on the CEO. I've received threats. Uh, I do move around with, with bodyguards, so that's not uh, ideal, but that comes with the territory. He had been getting death threats for over a year. He's had uh, bodyguards, which he and the company both deemed necessary based on the credibility of some of these threats. And then the energy minister, Gwede Mintashi, leveled a serious accusation against Derader. So Gwedi Mintashi accused Derader basically of treason, of agitating to overthrow the state by allowing the rolling blackouts to continue. How did Derader respond to that comment? Well, I think he was waiting for someone to come to his defense. So colleagues of the energy minister, uh, the president himself, and he said that when no one stood up for him and no one came to his defense, that he, you know, is like, this is not going to work. A spokesman for South Africa's president, Cyril Ramaphosa, said that turning around ESCOM is a priority. Spokespeople for Mantashi didn't respond to requests for comment. Late last year, Derader decided he'd had enough. On December 12th, he met with the chairman of ESCOM's board and handed in his resignation. Here he is a few days later talking about why. The operational challenges, the financial challenges, the challenges uh, surrounding societal matters, including crime and corruption. I'm unfortunately currently in a position where I do not regard that position as being tenable. A few hours after Derader resigned, he drank that coffee from his personalized mug. Hours later, he was taken to his doctor, where tests showed that he'd ingested cyanide. And so he went to the police station and uh, said he opened a case of attempted murder. Well, I can't imagine going down to the police station and saying, hi, someone tried to kill me. (laughs) Can you please investigate? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty frightening. How did people in the country and in the government react to the news that he'd been poisoned? Yeah, I think everyone was pretty shocked. Um, It's definitely not a common thing to happen here. There is a lot of crime in South Africa. um, People do get shot. Um, There are assassination attempts, often involving guns, some of which are successful. But poisoning, I think, is, is definitely an unusual occurrence and really quite concerning. The police are now investigating Derader's poisoning. Are there any suspects? Not to my knowledge, not publicly. Um, And the police didn't, didn't respond to requests for comment. We don't know who tried to kill Derader, or why. It's possible it might not have anything to do with his time as CEO. But one thing is for certain. While running ESCOM, Derader made a lot of people mad. You're dealing with a population who is incredibly, incredibly unhappy about having no power for almost half the day. 
And at the same time, you're dealing with a lot of entrenched corruption issues like sabotage, coal theft, power plants constantly breaking down because they haven't been maintained for years at this point. So I think you're basically getting it from all ends and, you know, no one's happy with you. Despite being poisoned, Durator says he'll stay on in the job until the end of March. So now the hunt is on to find his successor. How difficult do you think that search is going to be? I imagine it's going to be incredibly difficult to find someone to take on this job. And someone that you want to take on this job, someone who will potentially endeavor to try and improve the situation. I think you you might be able to find someone who is happy to continue the criminality and to loot the coffers. But I think finding someone who really wants to turn it around and has good intentions is going to be very, very, very difficult. When you spoke to Andre Durator recently, did he have any advice for whoever ends up taking his job next? Yes, he did. He said that he would recommend getting good buy-in from the president so that you're able to implement the necessary changes and that you will be supported in the policies that you have to implement. And the other thing that he he said was he would recommend not having a personalized mug. <laughs> what, so people don't know which, uh, which cup to put the poison in? Which cup to poison, exactly. <laughs> that's dark. Yeah, it is dark, but it's, I mean, that's... That's what you're dealing with. That's all for today, Friday, January 27th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Kate Leinbaugh and me, Ryan Knudsen. The show's produced by Annie Baxter, Ariana Bowe, Catherine Brewer, Maria Byrne, Pia Gadkari, Rachel Humphreys, Brendan Klinkenberg, Bat Kwong, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, Pierce Singhi, Jivika Verma, Lisa Wang, and Catherine Whalen, with help from Jonathan Sanders. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Peter Leonard. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Billy Libby, Emma Munger, Peter Leonard, Nathan Singapak, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.